Hello and welcome to another episode of the Real Estate Investing Club, the place investors go to gain actionable advice, learn about current market trends, and hear war stories from other professional investors out there in the field today. Before we get started, I have two quick housekeeping items to cover. First, if you like the episode, we would very much appreciate a like, subscribe, and share. It is the best way to support the show and keep it running. Second, if you are a new investor looking to get started in real estate or an experienced investor looking to take your investing to the next level, we created an ebook for you that will cover how to find deals that are actually deals, how to finance those deals with little to no money down, and how to exit those deals for maximum value. On top of that, I throw in an insane amount of free bonuses that you'll have access to once you buy the ebook. All we charge is our admin cost to keep the show running. So, if you're serious about real estate investing and want to create both active and passive income as an investor, head on over to the website at therealestateinvestingclub.com and click on the button that says get the ebook to grab yourself a copy today. So with that said, let's dive right in. Today we have a very special guest with us ready to drop some investor knowledge on you. So buckle up, grab your pen and paper and enjoy the ride. Right, we are live. Today we have with us Jonathan Tuttle. Jonathan is a mobile home park fund business owner. Um, he is an investor, speaker, upcoming author, and a maverick in real estate. I am excited to have Jonathan here to talk a little bit about mobile homes. Jonathan, thank you for helping on the show today. How are you? Great, great. Thanks for having me on. I'm really excited to be here. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to, to jump into this. So um, I always start, I ask people, uh, you know, Give us a little background about yourself, where you are right now, and how you really got started uh, in real estate way back in the day. Sure, sure. I guess the, the foundation started from my dad. Uh, was that When I was like, like five years old, I'd be on the job sites. He was a broker. Uh, he also flipped like 30-some houses. So starting off at like five, six years old, I would literally be boots in the ground. That was where I would learn my education from the, you know, the ground up, basically. Uh, then later on, he's ended up starting getting in the mobile home park space about 2006. And it just really was intriguing. I was in retail at the time. Uh, it was just a really intriguing niche. I, the, when you think about it, like logically, it just made sense. Affordable housing that serves a big portion of the people and you can't develop new ones. So he got his first park then. Uh, we bought a couple of parks as a family over our next five years and then this last year, actually this year, we started our, our Midwest Park Capital as a mobile home park fund. So, yeah, that's awesome. Uh, I'm, oops, uh, sorry, I'm getting a little bit of reverb on my end. So let me just fix that real quick. Sure. All right. Um, yeah, I, I'm always jealous of people. You know, I hear they had a mom or dad who, you know, was a real estate agent, a real estate investor, contractor, something like that, and they had this yep. in. So I'm I'm jealous that you got that start. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> a, especially that your dad was was you know into it in 2006. That's before way before it came became like yep. a thing. Like investors, mobile home parks seem to be a little bit more uh, um, mains not mainstream but uh, popular these days as, yep. as as far as an investment strategy. Yeah, his biggest regret, he says he wish I got into it in like the 80s, like when Sam Zell did. <laughs> I probably yeah, wouldn't have fun. I'd probably just be living easy here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, that's what we're focusing on right now. So there's still great opportunities. So mm-hmm. I, I, uh, I'm excited to, to jump into this. So um, to kind of dig a little bit further into your story, you, your dad was a contractor. He started in 2006. You were working retail at the time? Yeah, at that time, I was this women clothing store called BB. 
It's uh, <laughs> I was nice. the number one seller in the country at, uh, for a couple of years, and it was good. It was a good foundation because a lot of the it was a suburb outside Chicago, but it was really building sales skills, and it was actually good at money at the time. It was you know for what I was doing, and I knew I was gonna always transition. Even when I was telling my friends, you know, mobile home parks, they're like, "What is that? What is that? That doesn't even make sense." <laughs> I'm like, they're all asking now. When I was telling them 15 years ago, like you're so right, because like you said, it's now become mainstream. Mm-hmm. And but back in the day, I was like, "What are you talking about, mobile home parks?" And that was even before the TV shows came out. So it's, yeah, so I went to retail and I got into real estate around 2010 and just did mostly residential for the first two years and switched over to commercial. Uh, I was fortunate enough to get in the Sperry Van Ness, Chicago, which was the biggest office in the country. They had the national coach there. So I had like literally every asset class in commercial estate. I had coaches and mentors. And then after that, I partnered up with uh, probably the number one broker in the country, James from uh, James Cook from Yale Realty in the mobile home park space out of Florida. Tremendous mentor. So I basically had this huge foundation from starting from my dad and getting involved in the space with my dad and then going to Spirit of Ness, where it was like the top firm out of 185 locations and then parting up the number one broker in the country. And then now I have my own fund. That was the ultimate goal. The real value, like you're saying, is just really owning these. It's a tremendous opportunity. Uh, if anybody's listening that's thinking about getting into it, it's a great, great niche because A, you're helping people that need it. It's non-subsidized. So we're, you know, we're helping people that need it. If you make $10, $15 an hour, it's the only solution. So, and at the same time, you can't develop new ones. So you have this moat, which Warren Buffett, that's why he has $2 billion companies in space because you can't develop new parks. So, you know, huge demand, low supply, it always works in your favor. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. I mean, that is, that is, you kind of summed it up very well. Why, why mobile home parks are uh, so exciting, but you, you, there are mobile home parks being developed. I actually have a few people um, out here, surprisingly that are developing, but mostly you're right. People are not, um, they're not adding additional mobile home parks uh, across the country, which is why these are, you know, the ones that exist are so, um, so valuable. Exactly. And I didn't, I didn't hear about that. I know there's just different data. I've heard about 10 in the last 20 years, but a lot of it usually is like a conversion where it was like an RV or it's kind of like some weird grandfathered land is probably the case. And they got, they probably had it in with like the, you know, the city officials like, Hey, we need affordable housing. But generally speaking, yeah, it's, it's, it's a crazy niche because it's people don't want it in their backyard because they, <laughs> there's a stigma behind it, but it actually starts to need. And if you go to some of these parks, they're actually really nice. Like yep. there's obviously different qualities of parks, but you have like some that are like called, you know, five star, or, you know, like you know, class A type for mobile home parks, which means like a nice property. And they're like $100,000, you know, Clayton Homes, just like Warren Buffett's company. They're beautiful houses. Or actually, if you go to uh, every year in uh, Louisville, they have the trade show. And if you walk through that, you would not know you're in a mobile home, like the new models. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. The new ones for sure. Yeah. So, uh, so how did, I mean, I know you, you, you and your family own some. Um, now, in addition to the fund that you run, take us to like kind of the first acquisition that you were part of. Um, how did that go? How'd you guys find it? Uh, how did you do the, you know, how'd you um, underwrite it? Just kind of walk us through the process there. Sure, sure. It's actually, we're raising the capital raise for the fund. The fund just launched, it's just launched. Um, so we're still in the capital raising component. We're raising 10 million. Oh, nice. My, the first one underwrite, I was, well, when I was with James, we underwrote a tremendous amount because we would literally drive through each park. And literally just take a, we rent a car and we map out, do a map quest. And we literally drive through every single park. Oh, wow. You know, knock the door, see if the owner is there, have start a conversation. Wow. And then you get them on your list and then you follow up with them every few months and say, hey, how's that, everything going? Yeah. Anything changed? Uh, for underwriting, yeah, the underwriting, this is 
different than other asset classes because there's always well, one here's a advantage too that most people don't know about um mobile home parks is mainly land that's what you you're basically want it where you don't have all the units that you actually own so they have a 15-year tax depreciation schedule on land and comparatively multifamily is 27.5 and then traditional commercial real estate is 39 years so on your k-1s and your taxes the land so that's also when you're underwriting the property you know you're going to have this extra you know basically just that's an extra income for you because you're not getting taxed at like the normal tax and also in that uh, was it the 2017, the new bonus depreciation that came out. Mm. So depreciate 100% for the next, per, for one time only for one year. Oh, wow. So, I thought that, that was only related to um, RV parks. Is it also related to mobile home parks? Yeah, I'm gonna, we're going to test it with our, I got to talk to my CPA, but that's my understanding, yes. It's supposed to be all real estate. And it's like, talk to your CPA, but I'm almost positive that you should be able to. Hmm, that's really cool. So. Um, so yeah, yeah. What so again? Go back to the the mobile home, the first mobile home park that you you know bought yourself. Uh, you know where was it? What was the pad rent? What was the pad uh, the occupancy? You know, take sure. us through the numbers there. Yeah, this is actually a good story that kind of like was a case study. It was in Tuscola, Illinois. Uh, it was actually like gravel roads. It was the uh, all over ones now. Obviously, uh, it was like a first park just to kind of test the waters and see if it actually was. Before, you know, those Frank and Dave, everyone kind of knows them as like the mobile home guys. There was actually a book before that that they bought. I can't remember the name of it. I have it somewhere like in storage, but it's like the original mobile home Bible, basically. <laughs> and they basically rebranded as, you know, mobile home university. Uh, but yeah, we, based on that, we had that. My dad's like, let's try this and see how it's going to work, basically. Uh, from my recollection, because it's been a while, I think it was about, well, it wasn't fully occupied first. It, 45 or 47 units i forgot exactly and we had about eight or nine that were not filled and we had the lots but there were no units there but luckily there was another big owner uh right outside like 30 minutes away he had like a 550 unit park and he basically 550 unit park wow yeah he owned the that dealership in town he the apartment building across the street he's making money <laughs> 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 yeah i mean that park i i yeah, it's definitely worth probably 30, 40 million right now, probably 30, 35, 40 million wow. uh, alone. And obviously he's had it for 30 years. So it's cat, it's straight equity. Okay. Um, <clears throat> yeah. So he literally became friends with my dad. And like he says, why don't you take him out? Cause he's putting new ones in. So we got him for free. My dad would be boots on the ground. Uh, Cause I remember I was at retail at the time, but he would be down there. He'd live in one of the units, do boots on the ground, clean up the park, basically uh, you know, implement the rules. Number one, making sure like the old owner was kind of hands off. He came in, made sure the rules, everything was, here's the expectations going forward, get the bad apples out of there, bring in the new units, or actually they're sold or units, but newer for the park. And really, just, you know, at that time, you know, Facebook wasn't like, cause one technique you use now is like Facebook and Craigslist is a way to market and bring in tenants. But at that time, it was still like the newspaper and actually still being boots in the ground. So he'd go down there and live down there for like two or three months. We bought the park or like 480 and in the original cash flow, I think the rents were like 120. And end up at the end when he sold it, it was like 225, and sold it for 980. And this is like 2000. And the thing is, he bought it in 2006, like I said, and then sold it during when the real estate was still not turning around. So all these other real estate was really down in like 2010, 11. He was able to double it, double the cash flow, plus he had have it for a couple of years. So he didn't have the huge tax burden. And double his money. He's like, all right, now we gotta get two more now. <laughs> wow! wow. Really wonder, my dad didn't know about so, that. As long as he did real estate, he didn't know about 
Yeah, that that's a. Um, so why why did you decide to uh, to um, to sell? Offer is too good. Offer is too good. Ah, yeah, that makes sense. So, Basically, a million dollar profit in five years, and like on a small investment for what it relatively was, and it ended up being just like a passive cash flow. And he's like, all right, I should have been doing this. Like I said, he he wished he would have gotten to a thirty years before because just imagine, you know, how many more parks he would have. Yep. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm uh, I'm in that position. I mean, it's not a mobile home park, but just a duplex here in Seattle. Uh, I got mm. an offer that's just ridiculous, and so I'm like, well, I guess I sometimes gotta you gotta take it. Yeah, <laughs> because you never know. I mean, if somebody's you know overpay or whatever, like here, go for it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You never know what they want. Um, that's cool. So I mean, that was a long time ago. You guys have purchased a few parks since then. Um, yeah. What is you know you're running the parks now. How many do you have under under uh, under management right now? Two right now. It's just a family, just a family, smaller parks, about a hundred units right now. So okay. we're probably we're probably gonna because my, my dad's older. Uh, he probably is probably on ten thirty one. So we're not gonna say where they're at, and then probably get something in Florida so they could be a passive, get a bigger, you know, because all the equities build up and get something bigger. It could be basically enough that the key with the parks too is you want to make sure you have enough units where the management because for him it's more if it's a smaller park it's a lot more labor intensive and you don't have enough cash flow if you don't if you want to really run it efficiently you want to have somebody that's on there all the time or some kind of management structure and he still likes it because it keeps him busy but he also wants to kind of you know fruits of his labor kind of like hey i want to you know fully fully retire like even though he's retired he still is down there all the time yeah so yeah, no, I mean, that, that makes complete sense. In Florida, oh my God, there are so many freaking parks in Florida. It's ridiculous. There's, yeah, here 100%. I think there's a total, correct me if I'm wrong, I think like 80, 8,500 between RVs and mobile home parks. Yeah, I've seen Something like that, or 5, 5,500. It's something crazy. There's about officially, because you know, the data is not, not aggregated data. There's not a lot of data sources, like even if you use like LoopNet and all that stuff there, because it's a good old boys. A lot of these are grandfathered in, so they don't, and the people that own them, they don't want to give out the information because then they got all the brokers calling and everyone else calling, hey, do you want to buy it? I want to buy it. I want to buy it. So they don't want to give out the information. So a lot of the data is kind of like guesstimated based on a few people putting their numbers together. But approximately about 44,000 parks in the country. Uh, I think it was 55 or 85 in Florida. And for comparative analysis, just uh, like Illinois only has about 800 approximately. Yeah. And there's obviously some like five or 10, 21s that they kind of went on the table, but that's that's kind of like the numbers that, you know, people believe out there. Yeah. No, I, mean, I would not be surprised if it was 8,500. We, uh, we market nationally and, uh, I swear to God, like one out of every three parks that comes to us from Florida. It's like, I believe it's, it. it's ridiculous. Um, yeah, Florida. I mean, it's, it's also just a really great market, especially right oh, now. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's kicking butt. It's like, there's great appreciation, great cash flow. So, um, sounds like your dad's, uh, dad's making the right move. Yeah, and going to your, uh, what you're saying, Florida too. The you get a lot of people that some of the, if you ever drive through some of these parks, or if people in Florida will be familiar with this, you'll be completely blown away. Some of these parks will have like lakefront, like they're like resort areas. Yeah. So and that's the for the you know when they're selling it, they're actually getting tore down for sometimes we'll get tore down for like a hotel property, resort type property because it's literally prime like Florida beachfront property, and they're like a mobile home park and like what? Yep. yep. <laughs> people are living like on the lakefront or a nice like you know. Yep. Nice living lady, here for 500, 600 bucks a month. It's crazy. Yeah. We, we had a lady call us. It was like a 30 unit part. 
Um, and you know, we, we ran the numbers and, uh, and we came up with an offer and we sent it to her and she just like laughed in our face. And I was like, I, I thought that was a pretty good offer. You know, you have a really older park and there's a right. tent cap. It's, 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 uh, your park needs work. And she says, but you don't understand, like, I'm going to sell this to a developer for five times what you just offered me. And I'm like, ah, that makes sense. That makes yeah. sense. Cause it was, it was then, right on the water. It was like, it, it was prime location. I wasn't thinking in the terms of uh, development, but uh, yeah, these parks are, they're in great locations down there. And I would come back to her and be like, so you don't care about your residents when you want them to have a place, you know, don't you want them getting kicked out or would you want to keep your name and legacy? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> the bag. The money's not everything. I'm sure you have plenty of money because you've had this for X amount of years and you're getting this nice payday. Why don't you, you know, take care of the residents and let me you know, I'll keep the name of the park. I'll keep your residents in there. You're a better negotiator than I am. <laughs> keep the emotional component <laughs> to it. Uh, awesome. So why'd you guys jump into the fund? The fund was like, I've always been, one, I just want to get as many as possible because I love the whole niche and I love the, you know, the ethical profits and serving the niche. And it's a way to scale um, you know, a lot faster than just individual money, basically. So, and there's a lot of people that want to get in the space, but they don't have the time, the resources, or they don't have the, you know, they don't want to put a million, a million and a half to get this first, you know, smaller park down payment. They get test the waters, 50, 100 grand, or minimum initial is 50,000. Uh, it's for them to kind of get familiar with the asset class. And if they want to get a park later on, they could do it. But we do all the, you know, we do all the management. We actually have a, the top third party management country in the country that's going to help run it with us. Uh, we have a, everything is handpicked season, best of the best. We have a park CPA that runs a big fund and runs ours. Uh, fund administration software is the top. And basically we want to provide a solution for people that just want to get, in, you know, help people that need it and have, you know, collect checks quarterly, get the nice K1s because remember it's 15 year depreciation on land. And then over the course of the eight, 10 year hold, we're hoping for, you know, 15 IRR or higher. So, and it's a prep. So the investors get paid first. It's a 70-30 split. So we do everything in, for the investors. And then for us, it's just like, this is the time to do it. Like, if you're going to get in the park space, you have like a five-year run. We know institutionals own about 2 to 3%. We don't know exact numbers because, you know, like I said, hearsay, but it's about 2 or 3%. You have Carlisle Group in it. You have Apollo. You have the biggest hedge funds in the world now getting into the space because they see the demand for it. And if that doesn't tell you something, if the biggest investor, you know, the biggest funds, you have the biggest investors, Warren Buffett's got two billion, two separate billion dollar companies. And then you have uh, Sam Sell, which is considered the greatest real estate investor of all time, who previously was the biggest, or I think he still is the biggest multifamily owner in the country, the biggest office owner in the country, and the biggest mobile home park owner in the country. However, he sold off half his multifamily in the last five years and half his office space. So that tells you, which is pretty brilliant. He's always you know, doing the right moves, but he's still keeping all of his parks and he's acquiring more. So if you know all the smart money is doing that, so we have this, like you're saying, with these people, like she's getting these offers for redevelopment. So it was about 1% or approximately are getting torn down every year. So like it's shrinking, shrinking, shrinking. And then you still have like a five years before it gets consolidated. And just to give you an example compared to self-storage, which is like a lot of people compare us to in terms of like return and safety. They overbuilt in the last couple of years because there's been such a institutional money. You could literally just buy a lot and there's not the zoning uh, restrictions like mobile home parks you could buy and so like the big u-hauls the self-storage they could just go and they do demographic searches yeah and they just buy they just buy land they build up so but for us so that it's kind of consolidated three times more i heard recently three times more and we are two decades older industry Hmm. so we're still behind that lag but that means we have a couple years to really take advantage of this opportunity 
Yeah. So. Now's the time we're, we're doing the right. Yeah, exactly. here. I love it. Awesome. Well, Hey, well, uh, we are at the end of the podcast. We've already blown through that 20 minute mark. So I have to move <laughs> this on to the end. Um, I've loved the conversation though. I'd love to have you back on once you, you know, um, get this fund up and running. Yeah, definitely. Um, but going into the quick question round, this is where I ask you quick questions. You give me quick answers and it starts with sure. books. I always ask people favorite books. So give me one favorite book for real estate, one favorite book for uh, general life wisdom. I would do Sam Zell since we're on the mobile home park niche. Am I being too subtle? And he gives a story and how he, uh, how he thought when he was acquiring the properties and how he thought of the angles and his real life, you know, just his, his story basically. And it's an incredible story. Uh, and then for probably my favorite book that for entrepreneurs, it's not, I mean, it's pretty known, but it's more tech. It's called uh, Pierre Thiel. Zero to oh, one. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. yep. So and he's kind of being like, his whole premise, he is the founder of PayPal, obviously. He was like the first investor, one of the first investors of uh, Facebook. So he's always a visionary. His whole thing is like just trying to think outside the box and be more of an innovator in the future who could solve problems. And it kind of ties back into the, the parks, like always think how can you solve problems and how can you be innovative and how can you find that, you know, that blue ocean basically where you have less competition. So it kind of ties into our niche and also kind of how to be an entrepreneur and actually not have to work as hard. You have to work your ass off, but like work less, you know, because yep. you could find that work smart. easier path. If Sorry, I swear. <laughs> yep. yep. No, I, I love it. Um, going on to the next question. This one's about uh, your younger self. So if you could go back to the Jonathan who was just working retail back in the day, um, you know, working the job, go back to him, give him one piece of advice moving forward. What would that piece of advice be? Well, I, I mean, I always believed in myself and that job gave me a lot of confidence when I hit number one. Uh, but when, when I got out of that niche and first in the real estate, I wasn't as, as confident. Like I didn't believe in, like I was listening to other people, like even with the parks, I would have gone fuller into it because I had listened to other people who well, none of them actually did like crazy entrepreneurial things themselves, but just actually listen to them, followed through more, which I did, but it actually, it kind of made me second guess things a little bit, even when I was first starting out and getting in real estate and I got in real estate 2010, which was like the downturn of downturns. Uh, I was like, was, am I making the right move? You know, and it was, you know, just to build up that, you know, that courage and the, that tenacity and that grit, which was good, which is great for now. And actually being in the right niche, but going back to that, that older self or younger self of me, sorry, would be actually just be like, I know what I'm doing. Or I know I'm doing the right path. I'm going to full force with it and not listen to other people and not let them slow me down. So any entrepreneur focus on you because people are either going to be, most of the time people are going to doubt you no matter what. And then when you keep your biggest haters are going to probably be your closest friends. And then they're going to be like, how'd you get there? Well, you didn't believe and Now I got there because I did all the work and executed. Yep. No, I love it. Trust in yourself. And, uh, and you know, I'll always, if take other people's advice into consideration, but, uh, you're the last one. You're the one that actually has to make the decision. You're the one that exactly needs to, to go forward. So love that exactly. piece of advice. Um, next question is about habits. Habits are the foundation of our life. So if you could point to one habit that you feel has contributed the most to your life today, uh, what would that habit be? I think this works for everyone. This is a key. It's the time management. You got non-refundable minutes. So everything you time block and if it, in regards to time, making sure all your time of the day is blocked off, respect your time. So like even like social media, People take little breaks and it's like two minutes here, two minutes here. And they, they know that the tech developers know that, but at the end of the day, you spend two minutes here, two minutes here, two minutes here for every hour. The next thing you know, in the compounds and compounds, you waste hours per week doing stuff that you didn't get any value out of. You got mentally stimulated, you know, your endorphins get kicked up, but you're not actually accomplishing something. So 
having the time blocked and hitting those goals, you'll accomplish a lot more because you're going to be like, I'm so efficient and I'm blocking everything out that's not, I can't get those minutes back and doing stuff that's productive and moving me forward. And so having that time blocked, being efficient with it, understand that other things are distractions. And then you can do that when you accomplish everything in the day, but at least you've accomplished everything because you didn't waste time during the day. And that will get you so much farther ahead than just kind of like going through the day. Everyone has a calendar, but like really pay attention to your minutes and seconds. Yep. No, I love that. I, uh, in, I always, um, I have a routine in the morning and after I do my, like my morning routine, I will just time block up until 10 AM and I have just mm-hmm. one thing that I need to accomplish during that period. Then once 10 and 10 AM hits, do the team meeting. And from that day forward, you know, I can go to where, where the fires are, but, yep. um, you always, you block off that piece of time, get, get what you need to get done and then, uh, and then deal with the, the fires that are happening. Love exactly. that. Exactly. Nice. Um, so next question, uh, everybody's good at some things. If you could point to one thing that you feel you are absolutely kick-ass at, what would it be? I would say digital marketing, Facebook ads and SEO. Nice. <laughs> I've I spent so many, uh, you know, I wanted to learn it. And that's why I like the Peter Thiel book. I wanted to learn the technology angle because I could give me a competitive advantage and keep it up with trends because everything now that you're teaching in school, and I actually uh, teach at schools. I was supposed to speak on the national stage for digital marketing, how to uh, fill up your parks at the Manufactured Housing Show in Vegas with the other speakers with Dr. Ben Carson, the National Director of HUD, and the other speaker was Warren Buffett, CEO of a billion-dollar company, Clayton Homes. So that side of That's it gives cool. me a competitive advantage on the technology side. And like going back to that technology, have it make you money. So make you save you time and being efficient. So yeah, Facebook and digital is like one people people probably know that about me, but like that's probably my biggest strength. I love you. You speak my language. My background's actually in digital marketing. So um, (laughs) I like that. Uh, Right on. So um, that is the end of the round. Last question is for the guests. You've given us some great advice so far. So if you could, uh, um, if somebody wanted to reach out and get in contact with you, what would be the best way for them to do that? Yeah. Since we were talking about the fund, it's called uh, Midwest Park Capital Fund.com. And that's the one that actually has the portal. They could if they're a credit investor, they could actually go in there and we have the company updates and everything's in real time. Or if they just want to find a little more information about mobile home parks, we have another one. It's more of an informational website. That's midwestparkcapital.com. Just how it sounds. Uh, or in Facebook, Jonathan Tuttle. It's, I think it's Jonathan Tuttle official and it's Jonathan Tuttle on Instagram. So awesome. I'd love to connect with anybody. Ask any questions. It's, I mean, it's my passion. I'm here to help and uh, you know, solving problems and helping people and it keeps you something to look forward every day. Absolutely. So if you guys want to get in contact with Jonathan, I will put his uh, URL in the show notes below. So if you want to click through there, go and click through and say hi to John. Um, other than that, Jonathan, thank you very much you. Uh, for hopping on the show. For everybody who is, who is here with us today, man, my, my tongue is tied. For everyone who's here on the show with us today, thank you guys for showing up. Um, we couldn't do this without you. So thanks for being here. Again, the best way to support the show is just to subscribe, like, and share this episode with your friends and family. Other than that, I hope you guys have an absolutely fantastic day. Keep kicking ass in real estate, and I look forward to seeing you guys on the next episode. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Real Estate Investing Club. I hope you guys enjoyed the episode and were able to pull some actionable advice that you can go home with and apply to your own investing business. 
Before you go, I have a gift for you. If you're a new investor looking to get started or an established investor looking to take your business to the next level, I've created an ebook just for you available on the website. This ebook will cover how I was able to create both active and passive income in real estate with very little money to start with. In it, I will address the three most often cited obstacles new and veteran investors run into by showing you how to find a deal that's actually a deal, how to finance that deal with little to no money down, and how to exit a deal for maximum value. And if you get the ebook today, I'm going to bury you in bonuses, seven of them to be exact. First, you'll get the off-market lead generation blueprint, which will take you through the exact systems processes we use to generate off-market leads like clockwork, which is the most important skill when it comes to creating real wealth in real estate. Then you'll get the A to Z REI systems and vendors guide, which will allow you to peek under the hood of our business and see the exact tools and systems and even the vendors we use to grow our business. After that, you will get the top 100 best performing keywords pack, which will give you the exact keywords we use to target leads online and generate leads without having to lift a finger. Next, you'll get the contracts bundle for wholesaling and renting real estate, which will give you access to all of the contracts we use in the field to execute all types of transactions. After that, you'll get the investor's quick analysis calculator and offer tool, which will allow you to quickly calculate whether a deal is an actual deal and will allow you to create an offer automatically from those calculations. Next up, we'll give you the Investor's Daily Success Tracker, which is a tracker you can use to ensure you are taking the right actions day in and day out to reach your financial goals in real estate. And finally, you will get the Wholesaler's Template for Quick Assignment Cash, which will give you the templates we use to present our wholesale deals professionally and efficiently to our buyers. I know that is a ton of things to say. I'm glad you were able to stick with it. Uh, so you'll get both the ebook and all of those seven free bonuses when you download the ebook today. All we charge is the admin cost to run the show. So if you are interested in the ebook and the bonus bundle, head on over to the website at therealestateinvestingclub.com. Click on get the ebook bundle at the top of the page and take advantage of that deal. With that housekeeping item covered, I hope you have an absolutely fantastic day and even better week. Keep rocking real estate, and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode. All right, before I officially sign off, I have a quick announcement to make. If you're interested in becoming a passive investor in one of my deals, my own company, Kaizen Properties, is looking for capital partners for our upcoming projects. We invest in what are known as recession-resistant assets, mainly self-storage facilities, mobile home and RV parks, and industrial properties. If you're interested in investing and would like to learn a little bit more about my company, our investing criteria, and some of the previous projects we've done, Go to the Real Estate Investing Club podcast at therealestateinvestingclub.com and scroll all the way down to the bottom of the page. Click on the Invest With Us button. That'll pop up the investor form. Fill that out and we will reach back out to you as soon as we can. Or if you prefer a little bit more of a personal touch, you can reach out to me at gabe at therealestateinvestingclub.com. So really, that is it. Again, it was a pleasure hanging out with you guys during this episode, and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode.